figuring out how to be present in the struggle, which I think is also a key to acting in theater. Um, we go to we go to the theater to see crisis and right. to learn about ourselves. Absolutely. And so the more I can see someone up there struggling, the more I'm going to move forward. Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. I'm your host, Daniel Tuttle, and as always with me is our producer, Michael Lutheran. Hello, Michael. Hello, everyone. Very, very, very happy to be here. And it's the, we're approaching near the end of the week of our first week of episodes for Hollywood Hustle podcast. And what a week it has been. (laughs) I mean, Kurt Mega. Uh, ourselves, ourselves, <laughs> and now Jessica Hanna, we, Scoops, and King Tut, or or, or was it uh, Bear? Bear, yes. Bear, exactly. Scoops uh, and Bear, Scoops and Bear had had their it. moment. <laughs> they were a, back. It's a terrible pilot uh, somewhere in there. Scoops and Bear are at it again. Exactly, but and and now we're here where we get to speak with. Uh, Jessica Hanna, a director that I've worked with, and I'll get to share that story with you uh, in the next episode for Act 2. Mm-hmm. So this is day three. I think Jessica Hanna's interview is such a great way to cap off. Now, just to let you know, Jessica's uh, interview was our very first interview. Um, like television production, sometimes they film out of order, and even movies, they film out of order a little bit. So that's kind of what's happening here. But this is such an empowering episode about taking something and building on it and building something really from the ground up and making it something special. And it's, this conversation is so inspiring and just her personality is off the charts. One of the funniest things was, was uh, Kel, our, our sound editor was talking about how like her laugh would sometimes be so infectious and loud when he was editing. He had to be careful because she is so full of joy. She is. I, I was just sitting next to you guys just, grinning ear to ear because of just the the passion that she also gives up for for theater and just for art and there's just this if you know Jessica Hanna or if you go to the bootleg theater when you walk in you can just tell that it is a home for artists and uh you'll you'll hear me I'm I do laugh quite a few times <laughs> during uh this interview series but uh it, it was just an amazing time you're really going to enjoy it it's it's really great now just to let you know kind of what's going on with us uh uh like I said uh before I'm a writer uh I do write I actually write you write things I, I write things. sentences yeah absolutely paragraphs uh right now I'm actually working on outlining a new pilot that I've been working on for a long time um it's definitely it's got a great female lead in it I think it's gonna be really exciting to actually get into the meat of it when I actually get to start writing it um recently I was also asked to write a script uh, a feature-length script by a guy I've written before for before um sadly I don't know if it's gonna work out because he really wants a quick turnaround and with this show and other things going on, um, I don't know if I actually will have the time and get it to, to get hit to him by the time he needs it by. So, so is it just more of a uh, literal thing of just not having the enough time? Yeah, he 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 apparently has already set meetings with some investors, and so he wants to have a script within about two weeks uh, for a feature length film, and it's a very dramatic and detailed specific film. Um, and honestly, it, it, it's, it's hard enough to write uh, a 60-minute pilot in a week uh, to write a, you know, a, a, what he wants, about a 120-page feature-length film in two weeks. Um, My goodness. When he has an outline for Act 1 and nothing else is really set. Uh, so so you, need, you would need a, a bit more from him in terms of 
what is the story that you completely want to tell yeah. from beginning to yeah, end. Yeah, he, he gave me a breakdown, a summary of the story, and he has a breakdown for Act 1, but there's still three, two more acts that need to be built, and there's not really characters built yet. Is he open part. for you to kind of take the story on and see where you would take it? He is, but all, at the same time, there's still there still would be a lot of outlining, a lot of developing the characters and figuring out who they are, and that takes more than two weeks to turn it into a feature-length film, unfortunately. What, I, I, was, I would ask, what do you think you would be able to turn out in two weeks? Would that be maybe a treatment? Or? I possibly, but he is dead set on having a script. I in that see. time, and I and I and I've told I've told him if he changes his mind and and he doesn't he doesn't mind having something a little smaller by then maybe a few scenes, um, then I'm more than happy to help out and get it started. Uh, but just right now, and and I hate to say it, but sadly with the budget he has, it's just it's well, just hard. Well, it's sometimes weighing dreams versus reality. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, listeners, uh, in case you haven't realized, Daniel is a husband and a father. Uh, he does, you know, you're, you're supporting, you're helping support your family. And and, I do have a full-time job. <laughs> and you have a full-time job. We record these uh, episodes, you know, uh, after a long day of work already. Mm-hmm. So it, if there is going to be amount of time that you're going to put into a project and everything, you want to make sure that there is um, backing on both sides and that both sides are doing the same amount of work. Yeah. Well, also, you know, I know we talked about don't say no to opportunities uh, with the Kurt Mega episode, but you also have to be realistic. I want to make sure I'm putting out quality work mm. and I want to make sure that I have the time to give, especially this story, because I truly feel this story could be something really great, but it, it can't be great in two weeks. So you were also talking about how you have this new pilot yeah. that you're working on. Yeah. Uh, not going to ask you what it's about. We're not going to send out hundreds of NDA forms <laughs> for our listeners. I need all our listeners to leave a review basically saying that you will not speak about this anywhere else. <laughs> but uh, just on the onset, when you're coming up with a new idea for a show, um, what is it that is it? Do you have an idea of? A, B, C, D, all the way to Z, like of what it would roughly be? Or is there just one element that you're, I don't know what this, uh, what, whether it's the character or the action or what that's going to be, but you're just interested to tap into it. Uh, a lot of times it's usually just what sounds interesting and like what, and then go, can it become something more? Um, and is that a film or is that a series? And uh, I think, you know, a lot of times you'll read in a lot of books about writing that usually you, they, the, especially ones where it's kind of teaching you how to come up with ideas, they tell you take like a weird, some kind of location and then put some kind of weird event that wouldn't usually happen in that location. So it's kind of like uh, a laundromat uh, has a dinosaur come in and take over the laundromat with a machete. And it's like, th- maybe that could be some kind of cartoon. And so with me, it's a lot of times in that vein of taking an idea and going, oh, this could be interesting, and then letting it sit. And then the more, if it still kind of sits with me and it still sits with me. And That's I can, when you know. And I, yeah, and, I, and if, especially if I can naturally, naturally expand it and it just kind of flows out, you kind of go, okay, maybe this is something. And even then, as you journey through it, you're still discovering. Like I recently discovered something about the main character that I didn't 
know was needed and yeah. and it's something i think that's going to really add a lot of inter- like a lot of depth to the character that's awesome um, to hear so it's really i'm excited to get into it i i really hope that we have a listener or some listeners out there who are illustrators uh because the, in so far in this episode I've, or in this series of interviews we've heard you suggest so many random ideas for stories I have or no movies idea what you're talking or, about. Or, or songs if somebody could draw a dinosaur with a machete and a laundromat I would I would die and, and what the name of that movie or series would be <laughs> what would that movie email us with what the name of that cartoon would be if it's about a dinosaur that for some reason is in a, in a hey, laundromat with a machete maybe we can start uh, uh, like an Instagram story series about <laughs> those events <laughs> these, these happenings uh, what's going on with you Mike yeah so uh, fortunately a lot it's been that didn't sound really fortunately a lot (laughs) fortunately a lot no i feel like i've been making strides so uh and yesterday you heard um the two-parter interview with just me and daniel and you got to hear about where i'm at with my journey so i uh as of last week i actually ended my first uh, uh my first introduction series of uh acting classes that i'm taking right now and uh it, I'm focusing on the Meisner technique. And so one of the big takeaways that I have from that is uh, using repetition to find one's own opinion. Um, and it's just been, and, and repetition not only of the lines, but to really just listen to your partner. Um, so it was an amazing experience. Uh, my scene partner and I, uh, we, we went up uh, and our instructor had wonderful things to say. And it was one of those moments of just like, ah, oh, there's still so much to work on, but you just have to let it go and move on. So we're, I have a little bit of a break before uh, the next uh, class, but it, it went really well. I'm feeling really good about it. Uh, real quick, before you move on from that, um, I saw you kind of, obviously we talked to each other during this time, and I Never. know there was a lot of times that you were really frustrated about the class and kind of how your evolution was going at the beginning. Um, in your journey through the class and kind of a little bit of the teacher's responses to you. Um, what was, I mean, how did, how did you, con- what did you do to push yourself? What was your mindset to not give up? Yeah. So I was definitely hitting a wall. Um, and for any of you out there who are an act, who's an actor and considering moving to LA, don't come down to this town with this attitude of, Oh, I just, got my college degree. I, I don't need to take classes. Oh, I've done uh, theater all my life. I don't need to take classes. You need to take classes. And it's something that took me a long time to kind of accept to myself because I, I was in denial about it, but it's also part of an industry standard. So many casting directors are wanting to see training here in LA. They, you might have done amazing work in Vacaville, California, but the casting director in LA doesn't know the companies in Vacaville. So they want to see local classes. They want to see local names because it speaks to the quality of the, of, of the training that you have. And as I, was t- as I would tell Daniel in those first like two, even going into my third week, it was hitting a wall. It was hitting an emotional wall because I was realizing there was a lot of stuff about myself that I developed, some bad habits that I had developed since living in Los Angeles. Through my day job, I had really, t- you know, I was talking about finding my opinion through the use of uh, repetition. I, I realized I was covering up my opinion on a lot of things. I was uh, denying certain things. I was, so I was kind of going through my day-to-day life of 
kind of tunnel vision a little bit. And being in this acting class made me realize that. And that was very hard for me to get in touch with. Even Kel, our sound engineer, I was I was having phone conversations with him. Just I feel like my back is against the wall. I feel like I might give up. But, you know, I would also listen to some of the former students of this studio and just the advice was always, you're going to hit this wall. Just keep going. Just keep going. Don't fight. Just go with the training. And I'm so glad that I listened to those people. Um, you know, the, the some of the notes that my instructors would give is that I kept on having that just extra amount of performance in my acting that would indicate that I was acting. Um, one, one of the notes that I got was, you know, Michael, you're so talented, um, but no one's going to ever emotionally relate to you. And that was hard because technically I was doing all the things right. I was hitting all the right emotional beats, but it wasn't coming from a genuine place. And that's happened to me before where people have told me like, hey, I really liked your audition, but there just wasn't something that worked for me. So yeah, you're getting real, getting vulnerable with you guys right now. But that's what this podcast is all about is breaking down those walls. And, you know, this is what an actor can go through. And this is what you need to be open to of acknowledging, oh, this is something that I'm going through. Let's focus on that. Let's talk about it and then move on and incorporate it into the training. Well, I think acting in general is about discovery. Absolutely. And so you have to be open to discovering not only things about characters, but discovering things about yourself. Yeah. And so much about acting is about digging that emotional well within, within inside yourself. And that's what this introduction class was all about was really like peeling off the layers that we, we surround ourselves in to survive our daily lives. We have to, especially in LA, there's so much pressure that you have to have a thick skin, but as an actor, you have to be emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, you got to take that armor off. And and so that and that's the next stage of my class that I'm about to go into is emotional preparation, which will be great for auditions. You know, you're you're walking into cast studios uh, on Melrose in Santa Monica, and you know it's this building, and there's a bunch of other projects auditioning around you, but you have to be in this zombie apocalypse in this room where someone's filming you on an iPad. Start crying. Start crying now. <laughs> well. How do we get there? And so that's the next step of the journey that I'm really interested in being a part of. We look forward to hearing about it. Yeah. and But since that class, I also decided to add more to my schedule. Uh, a, a friend of mine. <laughs> because you're not doing enough. Exactly. A friend of mine, Graydon Schlichter, reached out to me. Uh, there's a night of uh, one-act shows, one-act short plays that are happening over at Santa Monica Theater uh, that are performing this week, actually, um, the last week of May. So unfortunately, when this airs, uh, you know, you might not be able to get to have a chance to see it, but you'll get to hear how it went. But it's been great having an opportunity to go from class and immediately apply the training that I've been receiving for the past couple months right into this class. And they're wonderful, short, little bite-sized scenes, but it, it feels good to not only just be in class and then have nothing, but to go from class to working at this theater and it's a new theater. So it's w meeting some wonderful new artists and getting to step up my game. Um, I also have been having some meetings. I met with a commercial agent, uh, you know, didn't necessarily end with a contract signing, but it was such a wonderful meeting. Um, you know, ended up with a person saying like, please keep me up to date with everything that you're doing. Uh, the big issue with me was just, you know, with my specific type and everything, there's a lot of, 20-something white nerdy guys in Los Angeles. So if I'm going to come in and be rep by her, uh, I got to have a certain amount of momentum, which 
I have to acknowledge, yeah, I'm not hitting commercials all that much. But the funny thing, a couple days after this meeting, I landed a commercial audition um, for, for this property. They needed a Back to the Future super fan. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies of all time. So it was just great to go in and just be myself. And have fun. And have fun because all the preparation that was needed was to go in and uh, basically lip read one of your favorite scenes while watching it on an iPad. So, I mean, acting, we, we like, we actors like to sometimes say acting is hard work, but this was one of the most enjoyable, easy experiences that I got to have and be a part of, of just going in and sh- sharing my love. And like, I got to talk about being a tour guide at universal and how getting a chance to be on the Metro sets um, was all a part of the reason why I wanted to be a tour guide was because Back to the Future film there. So needless to say, I feel like a lot has been going on. And so where the agent was talking about needing to build momentum and needing to continue with training and stuff like that, I feel like I'm on that path. So feeling really good. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. So, but to bring it back down now into this episode, Hollywood Hustle Podcast, uh, we're excited to bring you our interview with Jessica Hanna, amazing human, talented artist, and lover of theater. Uh, Jessica was actually our first recorded interview, as we were saying earlier, of our podcast, and we were thrilled to record at the Bootleg Theater. Since it was our first outing, there were some technical issues that we encountered during the recording. Uh, Luckily, our sound engineer, Kel, uh, has done a wonderful job resolving those issues. Um, However, there is one spot towards the beginning that we will briefly uh, come in. Uh, Daniel's going to share with you uh, some of the information that was missed just because we weren't able to salvage the audio. Uh, So uh, thank you so much, listeners. Uh, We're excited to hear uh, what you have to say on the other side. Take it away, Daniel. All right, we're here with the co-founder, managing, producing, director of the Bootleg Theater in L.A. Jessica, thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Great. How are you this morning? I'm very well. It is 9.30 in the morning. We are in a fantastic theater right now. We're in the Bootleg Theater. Now we're in the factory space, correct? Now, what is the factory space? The factory space is kind of an auxiliary space. Um, We have a band green room. It's also where we do events. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have actually done some performance in here as well, both music and theater. Now, I'm going to throw us off our little schedule here. I see boots up here yes. that are decorated. Uh, you can't see it because this is a podcast, and the best <laughs> thing about a podcast is pointing out physical and artistic things <laughs> that you have to visually see. We'll take a picture of it, yeah. but what, what's what's the story behind the boots? Uh, the boots actually just came from, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, we threw a Mardi Gras party. Oh, okay. Totally, on Mardi Gras. Nice. And um, we had an honorary committee, and we called them the crew de boots. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a we had a crafty day with uh, we had a board member show up and a bunch of friends and uh, we crafted a whole bunch of boots and they were gifts that we gave away and then now they've kind of become part of the decor. Oh, fantastic! We all love them so. I feel much. I was just didn't know if y'all did a show of kinky boots. <laughs> I don't know what those boots look right? like in kinky boots, so I was just I was they curious. Are, they are the bootleg boots. Now. I'm from Texas, so oh right on. Anytime totally, I see cowboy, cowboy boots, boots up there. Exactly. They, they bring I don't wear them, but they bring my attention. <laughs> Uh, so let's just talk about first, let's talk about uh, your path towards this career. You, I mean, you run a theater. Yes. Uh, and you founded a theater. Yes. That's huge. <laughs> that I, 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 I've been asked to run an improv company and I get nervous. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, let's just kind of start. Where, where are you from originally? Ithaca, New York. Ithaca, New York. Now, is that where you moved from here, or were you somewhere else for a more? I was in long? Chicago. You were in Chicago. Yeah. So the uh, the Windy City, yes. the other theater city. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Now, let's just talk about that preparation for that move, because you, you moved from Chicago, right? Yes. So was it sporadic, or was it well-planned? Kind of what was the setup It was setup pretty well-planned. Well, it was pretty well-planned. Um, it was very much, because uh, I had hit a point in Chicago well, I knew we, we I was with um, my then boyfriend mm -hmm. and then we would we wanted to um, we wanted to move and we talked about New York LA New York LA uh, two major factors for Jess I had grown up in an upstate New York mm -hmm. and had dealt with the cold in this in the winter mm -hmm. and then I had mm -hmm. Chicago mm -hmm. uh, for eight years so more cold I, more, more cold, winter more winter so mm -hmm. and thinking about do I go there <laughs> Mm -hmm. Definitely leaning towards LA. Also, my mom is from here originally. My grandparents okay. are here, so I had family here. Um, so put folks I could land with, but I also had a little bit of knowledge right. of LA. And at the time, LA was cheaper. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we tell the truth on this podcast. I mean, it was 21 years ago. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. No, and at the time, it was very. It was like, oh. That we can we can have a life and survive. Here. Okay. Now, were you yeah. involved in the theater scene in Chicago? Yes. What did what did you do there? Um, I did a bunch of stuff. I, I got an acting degree from DePaul the okay. theater school there, and when I once I graduated, then I started working around town mm -hmm. um, as an actor, and then I also got into fight choreography for a while. I did a lot oh. of stage combat. Oh, very nice. And I um, did some of that, and I worked with a bunch of different companies there. And had some of that, actually I had some great experiences. I mean, Chicago's an amazing town. Fantastic. Uh, especially for theater. Um, and it's a great place to work, work, and mm -hmm. to work on your stuff, especially as you come out of school. Um, mm -hmm. And I did some great stuff. And, it, you know, it's one of those things, too, where as soon as you decide you're leaving, you have some of the best experiences ever. And you're like, <laughs> why am I? Uh, yeah. Totally. Absolutely. No. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Um, now, did you, now you can't, did you, your boyfriend at the time moved with you? Yeah. Okay, how, what was that like moving together? Like, what, like how did y'all do that tag team? Like, um, did it feel easier? Did it feel harder? Yeah, I mean, on one level, it's easier to move when you have, you know, because, I mean, it's terrifying. Mm. Totally. Mm -hmm. And packed everything in a car and did the whole, we, we spent the summer um, at his dad's place in Idaho working mm -hmm. and then came here. And we actually had another friend from Chicago come out and join us in Idaho and work. And then we all uh, kind of converged on LA and we, so we had, he, uh, we had a roommate already okay but actually we stayed we, end, we ended up we stayed with my grandparents for the first two weeks until <laughs> we found a place um, and what's funny is we sorry small story um, mm -hmm. we <laughs> when the the we went went to my grandparents place which was like over by Larchmont like mm -hmm. around Koreatown mm -hmm. and uh, my grandmother kept telling me about this wonderful woman next door and we, we should meet She's a lovely boyfriend. Blah, blah, blah. And then we're outside. My, our roommate, <clears throat> who was staying with us as well, he was outside and he ran into a guy that he knew from Chicago from like old friend. And, and Warren, or they, they basically, they both were just like, what are you doing here? And he was like, well, my girlfriend lives here. And he was like, I'm saying, is your girlfriend Anne? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we're having a party this weekend. And we went to this party within, so this is in the, in the first two weeks. And I, it was like, Every, everybody at that party, I either had, I either knew or had seen do something in Chicago. Oh, wow. Or there, there was a, I mean, there's always people coming here. You know, mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. town of, of imports, as it's, it were. It's a rotating totally. Absolutely. Uh, town. Absolutely. And at the time, there seemed to be a lot of Chicago folks coming out. Um, so it was cool. It also just made me feel like, you know, oh, this is, I'm going to be okay here. I know some people. Right. It wasn't so, you know. Big, where, bad, and scary. Yeah. Totally. I mean, but it's a, I mean, it is, it is a, it, it's always big. Right. I mean, I think about when I first got here, about right. how, like, 
I would only get to Santa Monica by taking Santa Monica Boulevard. <laughs> is that now? Is that because that's the only way you thought you could get to? Well, Santa he also was just like, I know this way. Okay, oh, I know that this street will get me to Santa Monica. You know, right. and also because like. LA is that kind of place. It's it's so big. I think that you build a map in your head mm-hmm. of like the thing, and it starts with like where you live, mm-hmm. and then the jobs you have, right. and especially then as an as a as an artist or mm-hmm. an actor, especially as an actor in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to auditions in different places, and all of a sudden it's like, right. oh, I know this. Layer. You build those safe zones. Like, totally. I know how to get to this place because I take this to this totally. to this, <laughs> and I'm not going to go out of that because right? I don't know where I'm going to end up. Yes. I totally and also remember this is again 21 years ago <laughs> where we did not have the apps. Or anything like that, and it was the um, the Thomas guy. The Thomas guy was a, was a, was a so, amazing. So you're driving, and you're you're on the right. You have a giant <laughs> map that you're opening and trying to find coordinates. Right, and exactly. Well, no, that was like there was a, a, E1, driving driving Russell would always have a moment of planning, where you sit either in the car with or whatever pen, right? with, with the with the Thomas guy mm-hmm. and be like, okay, I go there. Okay, and what's which page? Because you'd have to flip back and forth between pages and right. set up as a grid. You know? I know, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So like, I, and, I, I remember those. So you those. had to like plan it and be like, okay, so you really, you did actually have to look ahead, mm-hmm. you know, but, but yeah, I mean, the Thomas guy was, it was like, this is genius, you know? <laughs> the, really. How could they ever come up with anything better, <laughs> better than exactly. this thing? Uh, how old were you when you moved here? I was 25. 25. Yeah. Now, what, how long before that had you, you said you graduated college and had you been in theater like all your life, performing yeah, all totally, your life? Pretty what much. was, what, do you remember the first thing you ever performed in? Yeah. Well, I don't um, I have a picture of the first thing I ever performed okay. in, but I remember the second thing. Uh, I was my mom took me on stage when I was four in Trial by Jury. It's a Gilbert Sullivan opera, okay. and she was doing those. So I, I have a picture of me with my finger in my mouth holding my dolly <laughs> next to my mom. Um, and you won an yeah. award for that role. I, exactly, sure. it was genius. <laughs> genius, genius performance. Apparently, I would. I, would I felt be entirely, her pain. The story goes is that I would like walk walk be on stage with my finger in my mouth, walk off stage, and start singing. <laughs> so yeah, there was that. Fantastic. Totally. And then when I was seven. I was in Showboat, and did. there's one scene where a little girl, is, uh, or the daughter, mm-hmm. she said her dad comes to tell her he's leaving. And so, yeah. And that, that was a very seminal moment for me, actually. And how old were you when, when you did that? Seven. Seven? Okay. Yeah. And my parents were splitting up at the same oh, time. Oh, wow. So, like, mo- no, my, my thing with theater is, like, deep, deep, dark, <laughs> psyche. You know, literally, I, like, I, turning, I going, going to my family at the theater that was still together. And now, I, so my family at the theater is a safe place. <laughs> safe. Oh, trust me. I completely understand that. Yeah. Um, now, when you... what was what, what, uh, Money-wise, it's expensive mm-hmm. to live here. Yeah. I mean, not maybe not as expensive then, but you know, no, money money evens out in the long run. Really. Big city. Um, how did you plan financially mm-hmm. to move here, or did you? <laughs> didn't didn't do it as great as I right now when I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's definitely because there was definitely about like let's do this um, and the hustle to just make ends meet and figuring out how much that would cost really didn't really didn't know till we got here. Right. Um, and. I did a lot of different things. I did so many different jobs in the beginning. I mean, literally, like, stuff from, like, putting flyers on cars at, mm-hmm. at where... That was the other thing. Like, mm-hmm. when I first moved here, it was, like, I think I was at Cal State Long Beach, <laughs> but I'm not really sure. Like, there's been a couple of times where I've gone places in the, like, you know, mm-hmm. after, like, years after that, and been right. like, did I put flyers on the cars here? Is that where I was? There's a car standing there. Because I was totally With lost. the flyers still on there, probably. <laughs> because probably. how many cars just sit around this place? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> when you guys started discussing moving to LA, you picked LA. Did you guys give yourself a time like we're going to give ourselves um, three months and then we're going to move? We're going to give ourselves five months and move, or was it you know what? Let's move to LA next day. We're in the car. <laughs> no, we planned. I mean, we planned it. We planned it for a, 
probably, I, I mean, knew, we're thinking about it for a good year and okay. planned it like for at least six months. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And especially because we were doing like, and building it so that, because in our case, we went from, uh, we went to, to one spot for three months mm -hmm. and kind of, oof. And also tried to make a little money mm -hmm. and then the move out here. Finding an apartment here, not, not really knowing where we were, mm -hmm. you know. And that's the other thing is that, you know, we, my grandparents were just on the edge of Koreatown. So we ended up, uh, we ended up living in, what was it, Melrose and, like, near Melrose and Vine. Because mm. it was also like, oh, this, you know, you, you only go so far. Right. So, or at least I did. You know, in terms of like, I sort of know this area. Okay, I'm close to people I know. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, we spent the first. I spent the first year in Hollywood. Okay, very nice. When you moved here, did you give yourself like a amount of time? Like, I'm going to be here for five years trying to make it. If I don't, I'm moving back. Or was this already? I am moving here and I am staying. I'm moving here and I'm staying. Okay, yeah. that was already in your mind. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on one level, I guess I. Mm, it's funny, I'm going. I, I love Chicago, mm -hmm. um, but I guess I never really thought of it as like, this is going to be my home. Right. Um, and I, maybe it's because I had come out here as a kid mm -hmm. a couple times, but that, I don't know, it just, I, I, I love Los Angeles. I really do. And I'm a, I'm a fan of New York City, don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, I grew up, you know, I grew up thinking upstate New York, so it was like, that was the city. Right, right. You know? And I always imagined that that's where I would go. Mm -hmm. And actually, Chicago is what, <laughs> it was like, oh, there are other cities. <laughs> with are, theater. With theater, and also just in that, that feeling of an older city. One mm -hmm. of the things I love about L.A. is mm -hmm. that it's not that. Right. Um, but, you know, it's got that still Wild West young, youngness <laughs> about it that we're still, like, think you can try things out here that, you know, you couldn't necessarily. Or, or the... Bureaucracy has been set mm -hmm. back east right. for, a longer, for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. So let's just say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> hey everyone, Daniel here. We had a little bit of an audio issue at this point uh, in the recording, so I just want to come and fill you in on what you missed. Uh, basically, Jess shares that she had been to LA prior to moving here from Chicago. Her grandmother, her grandparents lived out in LA, and she had visited a few times when she was a kid, a teenager, and while she was in college, so she'd been out here before. Also, kind of talking about whether there was a moment of doubt she had, and if she had made the right choice to moving to L.A., or if she could go back to Chicago. Jess shared that her sister and mother moved out to L.A. over the couple of years that she moved to this town. Her family followed her to her new home, which is a super rarity uh, that happens for many artists here who move out to L.A. Uh, from an outside state. Also, uh, she talks about the initial problems that she faced, and like so many other actors uh, to this day still do, she was learning the industry aspect of an acting career in Hollywood, uh, dealing with the business and versus the art. She also had moments of weighing whether her, of her wanting to make it in the industry with her love for theater. Uh, so she went to, on to what she was passionate about next, and so I'll let Jess take it from here. I love theater. What am I going to do? Um, and just trying to look around, I did a little, you know, did a little bit of stuff with um, some folks that I knew from Chicago. We put up a couple shows, and I stage managed and assistant directed on those. Um, they were all male casts, so no parts for Jess. Mm. Um, but I, there was a point, okay, so two, I'm going to say this was 2002. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2002, um, I took a workshop with a company called The City Company, S-I-T-I -I Company which is Ann Bogart's company out of New York. Okay. Um, and I had seen their work. I saw them uh, do, accidentally saw a show called Culture of Desire in 96 in New York. 
uh, on a visit. <clears throat> you say you accidentally saw it? Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, we have some time. Well, I want to see a play. What's, oh, hey, I've heard of this Anne Bogart. View, that's something of viewpoints. I've heard of this thing. Anne Bogart, she's mildly famous. <laughs> well, at the time, though, <laughs> <No>. 96, <laughs> it was like one of those things where viewpoints was the word, the word viewpoint was starting to float mm -hmm. around. And, you know, it was like, oh, I've heard about that. What is that? I'll go see that. Oh, that company. And, like, went to see this show, Culture of Desire, at, I think they did it at New York Theater Workshop. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, like, my <laughs> brain's blown on the back of the wall. Just like, <laughs> what is this? It's amazing. It was so many layers, and the people on stage were so precise and specific and physically, like, in it. Mm -hmm. And then this design that was just like, ah. And it was discussing things, and it was like an onion. It was so, mm -hmm. I was just like, ah. Oh. And I, you know, started just like what is this and you know at the time I'm making a gesture like I'm googling right. but at the time 96 not so much googling mm -hmm. um, but just trying to find like what they were and then I think the following year or a year or two later a friend of mine who I'd been you know was just like that company you're rage, ra you always rave about is coming to UCLA and they did a show called Cabin Pressure and I went and saw that again brains <laughs> in the back of the wall just like what what is totally. this it's so good um, and it was very it's devised work too, which I didn't at the time. That, that also wasn't a term at the time. Right. But that was something that was starting, that was happening more and more. Um, and so yeah. And so then a, another a friend said, "Hey, that company you love is coming to town. They're doing this workshop and their Suzuki and viewpoint stuff." And I'd read a little bit about this, a little. So I was like, and it was like, it was physically really hard. And, right. Ooh. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm terrified. Let's do this. And <laughs> so he said he'd do it with me. And uh, then he dropped out just before, like two weeks before. And I'm doing it. So. I then go down, oh, so it was at USC, it was two weeks, anyways, mm -hmm. it, was, it was really physically hard. The Suzuki is incredibly hard. Um, uh, but at the same time, it was revelatory, and there was some point, I think it might have, it was Steven Weber and Leanne Eagleswood and Kelly Marr, and I, one of them, maybe all of them, said something about it was their honor or their, they were proud to be theater artists, mm -hmm. and they said it in such a way that it was just like, oh, Oh right, that's that's what I love to do. Okay, and it was and that whole that two weeks really fed me in a way and gave me some I don't know I mean being that physical also kind of breeds confidence in a way mm -hmm. just endorphin wise right <laughs> and also being uh, figuring out how to be present in the struggle, mm -hmm. which I think is also a key to acting in theater. Um, we go to we go to the theater to see crisis and right. to learn about ourselves. Absolutely. And so the more I can see someone up there struggling, the more I'm going to lean forward, and not like struggling like oh my god, you know, but but like the struggle, the pull in between, and and then literally in Suzuki, the physical struggle of staying focused as your body is in a very you know can be in all kinds of positions, and you can breathe and speak, and that kind of focus and that kind of uh, energy creates presence mm -hmm. that is just like, I mean, that's one of the things I saw when I first saw that company, because mm -hmm. I was like, what is this? And like, because it was just like, oh, what are they doing? I was like, oh, that's generated by work practice. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, so I left that workshop mm -hmm. inspired mm -hmm. to like, oh, I'm going to be a theater artist in LA. That's what I'm going to do, you know, and looked around and there was an audition for a company called Open Fist for a, a show called Songs of Joy and Destitution, which was a, um, a kind of a mashup of two Chuck Me plays. Mm. And the audition was for actors who move and sing. And Chuck Me is a member of the City Company. So in my mind, I went, 
oh, maybe I'll use this stuff that I just learned and go, Jess, go audition, do that, you know. Me go audition. Totally, Me totally. I sing, I move, I don't, do I dance? I don't know. You know, and well, and I went into that audition. The question everyone asks themselves, <laughs> do I dance? I don't know. I don't know. I know I do now, but at the time. But, uh, but I went in, and in that audition, I auditioned for two guys, uh, one a choreographer and, a, and then a composer. Um, musician and uh, Ken wrote and John Ballinger and Ken wrote and then they and they cast me in this chorus of um, of women in uh, the, the the Trojan women section mm -hmm. and um, in that period of time during that rehearsal period got to know Ken a little bit and the work was great uh, and he said I'm doing this little doing something like it's a 99 cent only show. I don't know, it's a variety show thing, but it's over at this place, the evidence room. Blah, blah, blah. And so like I said, like, okay. And so walked into this place mm -hmm. for the first time because of that. Oh, very nice. Yes, totally. And walked in and saw this fantastic variety show where all of the sets and costumes were made out of items from the 99 cent store. And my, again, Brains on the back of the wall. What is this place? I mean, this beautiful space, and then these gorgeous. people, right? It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And you know, yeah. One of the things that happens to just about every artist who walks in here is like, it, people will be like, you know what I would do in here? <laughs> or I have a great piece. Or uh, because the space is like, is it's so? Just do like, you have any openings? <laughs> totally, absolutely. That's exactly what happens. And they all they all put their fists to their chin right. and mm, or, I, or just yeah. No, I mean, pitched all the time. I get right. pitched all the time. So, so you're, it's being a, a theater owner uh, is like being an executive theater runner. Theater runner, sorry. Totally. theater runner, runner is like being an executive at a TV network <laughs> or a film network where people are constantly like, okay, I have this one man show oh, yeah. about me doing laundry, oh, yeah. but it's about the hardships in Israel. Uh, 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 I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, I've gotten better. Well, honestly, because like parties can like having a fun time at a party can be hard. Because there's a, it, it's also that thing of like people want to pitch and I get it, or mm -hmm. they have an idea and that's great, mm -hmm. but like is now the time? Right. It's like get my get room. my info. Let's okay. talk about it later. I have a drink in my hand and I'm chatting with some people. Mm -hmm. But you know, and I, I I don't like to cut people off, and right. I and especially in a place like this, right? Like it people, like it it, it inspires people. Absolutely. The space just inspires. Right. So like how to how to be able to listen and you know get that but it also like now's not the reason we should make a time when it's just you and I right. and talking. Well, I'll, I'll tell you when I came in, um, it has a very. Uh, You're gonna uh, pitch me, uh, aren't you? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I has this feeling for a show that I want to produce. Um, no, I, I, uh, this is gonna. Some people may take this hopefully not sacrilegious, but it has a very cathedral feel mm -hmm. where cathedrals will be are built very high, so when people walk in, they're forced to look at God. And so this has that kind of same feeling where you come in, you're almost forced to look up and yeah. look around and just take in the space. Yeah. It almost forces you to do that. And that, like, immediately when I came in, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is incredible. Yeah. Um, so real quick, I want to go yeah. back. Okay. So you moved here for acting mm -hmm. originally. What were the, the first steps you took? towards that oh I, I, I did uh, got the at the time you would get mm -hmm. labels right. uh, I don't know if it, I don't know if it still works like this but <laughs> you go to Sam get French a cassette tape totally <laughs> and you would get a small mini totally. cassette player you get a hammer and chisel and <laughs> write up your resume <laughs> name ding 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 <laughs> Totally. Uh, but, yeah, no, you go to Sam French and you would get a, a, a batch of labels that was were all agencies. Mm -hmm. 
and I've heard um, of that. I had yeah totally and, oh, and I got uh, I came out with headshots and I think some at some point in that first year I got another set of headshots done mm. by somebody local um, and do you know did mailers and sent out to agencies and then tried to get my eyes on breakdowns or audition notices in some form or another and um, and like pretty much like every day like set something up so it's like okay am I doing something about this today right also I'm what am I doing today to try to earn money <laughs> and also <laughs> what today am I trying to do about my you know acting mm-hmm. I, I say uh, for me I always say that like and I think for a lot of actors especially struggling or trying to get their actors or performers um, the, it's almost like uh, in Minority Report the movie, Tom Cruise movie he has these like screens video screens that he uses these gloves to move right, right. across. Yeah, totally. And I constantly feel like that's my life is, going, okay, money. I need to get this. We got this big. Okay. All right. Podcast. Okay. We got to do this. This. Yeah. Okay. Full-time job. All right. Let's do this. Child. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm Rock just constantly moving totally. screens around. Oh, okay. I don't need that anymore. Like, you yeah. know, throwing around. So I feel like constantly for theater performers, any kind of entertainment, like, but that's okay. It's okay to be that busy. You just have to be able to go. Okay. Not let yourself. Yeah. I think it's taken over. Did you uh, do any networking? Was there any ways that you went out to kind of get your name out to other people or meet other people? Um, let's see. At the time, uh, did you know there was actually it's the, at the time it was my Chicago people, mm-hmm. um, and working with those folks in some form or another, or seeing if anybody had leads and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was that, that kind of networking. I didn't do any casting workshops or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I kind of started really, I found a community of, of, to, of uh, there's a West Side dance community, freeform dance community, mm-hmm. which was part of like, oh, I'll keep moving. Because I also, uh, back in, back at, you know, fight choreography, but then right. also in school we did something called Move to Music that really charged me up and that was part of, and, and the and the the training at DePaul is Spolin was Spolin based at mm-hmm. the time, so very physical. Mm-hmm. So finding ways to stay physical and um, start doing some con- like contact improv and stuff okay. like that. But that was like uh, I wouldn't I'll, I never really thought of I, I mean it was whether it was actually part of my acting or not. Mm-hmm. It influenced that I know right. now, but also that was also part of like making a life here because like I found uh, found friends and community through that as well as then theater and act, acting and stuff like that. So different communities of friends. And how important was that for you at the time? The dance stuff? No, or like or the, the, the friends, the friends. And, and, and making those connections. How important was that and how did that affect your life here? Huge. And, and, and working in this industry? Huge. I mean, that's, I mean, the whole, the whole thing, everybody kind of disparages nepotism or that kind of stuff, but it's like, that's the way it works because you're making, you're, we're all trying to do something that's going to, well, for the most part, some kind of art's going to mean that people are vulnerable in some way as they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So you have to make safe spaces, or you, or you want to, or, or spaces that that nurture creativity. Mm-hmm. The best way to do that is when you start working with similar people and you start to get a shorthand. Um, whether it's that you're creating a company or a community, um, I always heard about um, the Cohen Brothers sets, mm-hmm. and that they feel like like it's a, gi- it's a gigantic family. Mm-hmm. And they work with the same, you know, yeah, similar people same over and over and over again. Because not only do you have shorthand, but also like there's a, you're, it's a, it's the, it's the old caravan, you know. I mean, the, it's it's all versions of the, you know, the theatrical troupe going mm-hmm. through the through the. You know, right. Why train yeah. someone new when someone that is available mm-hmm. knows you and knows what you want? Totally. And knows what you want. But what I've also learned is that how to how to bring new like 
especially here, mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to find people who are, I'm looking for people who are passionate mm-hmm. and who want to, you know, who want to get involved and who, you know, there's, because there is some, I don't know, sacrifice is the right word, but I mean, maybe, but you know, there's, to make stuff, you have to be able to put yourself on the line in some form or another. Right. And so looking for people who will, who will go for that. Um, and I'm always looking for like-minded folks and Absolutely. people who have, you know, and I want to encourage that too. So that's Well, speaking of that, I have a wonderful show. Um, <laughs> Damn uh, it. <laughs> I was always turning to that. Um, Here's my number. <laughs> call me at a proper time. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm doing a podcast right now. So. <laughs> doing a podcast. Could really use a theater space to do live shows because I have a thousand fans already. Um, well, trust me, seats will not be filled. Um, <laughs> now, what? Uh, what? Now, you said you came here for that 99 cent yeah, show, totally. which sounds incredible. Like oh, it was. in my head, I'm already thinking. Do that. Oh my that god! Sounds awesome. No, you don't even. It, go, it goes further. It went on for ten. I mean, I, I produced eight of eight out of ten of these. Okay, so you get like, that one yeah. show went on for ten. Oh years. no, totally. <laughs> that no, ran they, for they 10 evolved years. and they. I mean, they they became. I mean, they were amazing. Right. Yeah, totally. And between Ken, Ken would direct and create them. Uh, John Ballinger would write the music, and then Anne Claus Farley, who is an amazing costume designer, mm-hmm. she. And a, and a team of people who would make these amazing costumes because they, they were also like they were cast of like 20, 25 people. I mean, it was like crazy amounts of costumes, all made out of um, hula hoops and tablecloths and, and car windshield <laughs> screens and doilies and you know, and, uh, they they were incredible. Fantastic. Yeah, totally. Now, now, so what? In, now you saw that show. What was the the big inspiration for going from I want to be, I want to act, and that's what I want to do to Hey, I'm gonna run and manage an entire theater. <laughs> that sounds the same. <laughs> well, there's some accidentally on purpose. Uh, no, accidentally. I mean, uh, I would say I ended up joining the evidence room okay. in 2005. They opened up membership for the first time, and I became a member. And um, and then there was some kind of well, there was an implosion in the company, and uh, the company left the space and. Uh, Jason Alicia Adams, who owned the space and mm-hmm. were founding members of the evidence room, um, they decided they, they had left the company and they decided to keep it a space. And Alicia and I had gotten to know each other a little bit through a couple of shows, one of them being the 99% only show, mm-hmm. one of the first ones I did. Yeah, one of the first ones I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she and I had been talking about art and theater uh, over a couple of years. And um, when they decided to keep it a space, she called me up and she said, you know, Jason and I are going to keep the space. Do you want to come in on this with us? You'd be the only employee, you know. Oh, wow. So, for the first two years, at least, I think I was the only I was I'm the only employee. And, th- and we started to be clear. We started as a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we uh, we decided we wanted it to be an inclusive art space and not just one company. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, so I mean, in my background, I mean, I have a you know, it's like sure, I'll do the job. I have a BFA in acting. You know, I will act my way through it. No, I mean, it was a huge learning curve. Right. Um, and I had some really key people who, uh, I will say it straight up, um, Anthony Burns was a huge mentor for me and like the place would not be standing if he had not mentored me in managing director stuff. Right. Because, I mean, in like, like you know, I knew Excel, but in, like really know Excel. <laughs> you know, like figure that out. Um, and Google, contracts Google is and your best like friend that. when it comes to Excel. A lot of people don't understand this, really? but Google is your, there are so many articles and, and they're boring. They are not interesting at all to read, but they will help you a 
ton. For those wanting to start a theater that know, as she's saying, Excel is important, Google. <laughs> and, just, and by the way, this yeah. podcast is not sponsored by Google. <laughs> um, what, what was the most important thing he kind of uh, uh, gifted you? Oh, okay, there's so, there's so much, honestly. Mm-hmm. And like from everything from like real straight up like templates and like here, this isn't how, you know, how do you build it? How do you build a schedule that, you know, uh, would break down by what the income was going to be because the first first couple of years it was like literally like hustle 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 get get stuff in here to pay the bills you mm-hmm. know got to put stuff up because um, we couldn't as a it's a catch twenty two in the nonprofit world in that you become you get your nonprofit status mm-hmm. but there's a certain amount of time you have to be producing before you can start applying for grants right I heard <clears throat> so it's like okay you know, like first couple years it's just like okay here we go produce and produce produce produce, produce, produce. produce. And, and you know there was already a community of people who know the space and who worked here mm-hmm. and then reaching out to those folks to say hey it's still a theater you know what do you how, how can you use the space come come and pitch to me at the time <laughs> pitch away let's <laughs> like, go see me at a party <laughs> pitch 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 yes 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 and how to, well and how to make all that stuff happen also key was um, uh, you know Alicia and Jason Jason did amazing work on the space mm-hmm. and Alicia and I was just figuring out what it was. Um, and then Kirk Wilson, who had been a part of the space for a long time, and um, he kind of came in, and he is, I call him my theater fairy, because um, he makes everything more beautiful. Like, literally, <laughs> we'll move through a room, and things show up on walls, or, and I don't know, any, any cool decoration you see around the space, mm-hmm. probably Kirk. Mm. Um, and probably found somewhere that he was like, oh, that, and picks it up from, you know, wherever he found it, downtown street, and then puts it on the wall. It's genius. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, wait, wait, you were asking me about... I know, I just talked, I got lots to talk about. No oh, no, this is what I want to say. Yes. Because Burns, okay. He, so excited. My favorite, the, the, or one of the uh, light or mind-changing things mm-hmm. that he said to me, um, there was a show, okay, so also teaching me how to build a budget. I'd produced a little bit, right. but really teaching me to say, to do, to, to, to do a budget and to, to predict, basically say, I think this is what it's going to be. Like, right. you do the budget, and then I th- and then I think this is what we're going to make. Right. You right. know, and that whole prediction, mm-hmm. and like, you know, put it low, and mm-hmm. like how to, you know, un- basically underestimate, so hopefully. You overestimate, yeah. But it was, uh, we had done a show, and it, or I, I produced a show, and it, it didn't, like, it wasn't sold out every night. And there was, a, afterwards, we were talking, like, after it was all done, going over everything, kind of post-mortem. And he said, he, I was like, I you know, I was very despairing. I was just like, it just wasn't, you know. And he was like, well, look at your, look at your, what did you, what did you predict? Mm-hmm. What did you predict? And uh, basically, I, what, it had done what I had predicted. Oh, wow. You know, and which was, you know, I, it wasn't sold out every night. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, gangbusters. Mm-hmm. But it had done, you know, this, like 40% or 50% capacity, you know, right. which is, you know. That's still good. It's not bad. I mean, but at the same time, you, you, as when you're starting, you're like, we're going to get 80% every night at least. We're <laughs> we gonna sell are going to kill it. We're going to kill it. There's going to be people here all the time. Everyone's going to want to see the show. They're going to cheer yeah. the whole time. <laughs> totally. And the passion, you know, because that's what, I mean, you have to have that kind of oh, passion absolutely. to do this kind of work. And, but then the feeling afterwards of not like of the crash of just like, ugh. We didn't sell it every night. It's a total failure. I'm a loser. Exactly. I can never do this. And so then him saying, look at that, look at that sheet. And mm-hmm. being and and then saying to me, well, that's a success. Mm-hmm. And me going, Woomer? What do you mean success? No, I didn't sell it. No. No, that's a success. Mm-hmm. And having to like grok that mm-hmm. it was huge. Right. You know, it's not, and it's 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 that 
because on one level it was like, no, then, then I'm, I'm underestimating everything, everything. It's like, no, you're being, there's a realistic line that mm -hmm. has to be in there, but then also you're setting, like set yourself up, like decide what success is. Mm -hmm. And then you, you can exceed it, but also so that you like, for all of that work that you're about to do and all of the, you know, all of all, like the myriad of things that are gonna happen in creating a, a, a play, mm -hmm to make sure that you'd be able to find find some pleasure in it and, mm -hmm. and also surprise some success. I mean, to me also this, the, anybody who executes an idea, like actually executes it, props. You know, I mean, I also, I, I love theater. I go see all kinds of theater. Mm -hmm. And there'll be some, some, some folks are just like, why did you go see that? It's like, well, I wanted, what for, for there'll be many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the play, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't the greatest play in the mm -hmm. world, but there were people on stage. They who were, did it. Who, they, and they did it. Yeah. Seriously. Mm -hmm. And nothing was falling down or on fire. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, seriously, that's, that is <laughs> I feel like that's an L.A. trap is so many people pitching you at a party where it's, hey, you know what, I'm working on this thing and I want to do this thing and I got this web series idea. I'm, and I, I am completely guilty of it. Completely guilty. Mm -hmm. I've got this idea, and I've got this thing. No, I, want to do, do I want to do this web series about a dinosaur who's roommates with uh, um, a rabbi, and it's going to be fantastic. And he's like, and you never hear from him. And you're just like, but do it. Good. If, if you want to do it. Like, I, that's, I think and I, as, as I've grow, gotten older and, and been here longer and, and gotten more involved in creating things and wanting to create things, that passion of creating things, I think I get more frustrated now when I'm like, people are like, but, 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 but. Just, right. I know it's it's easy to say just do it. I know it's hard. It, it's 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 the hardest thing ever is to put something together out of nothing. But if you really want it, then you're gonna find a way. Yeah. You know. The only person who's gonna stop you is you. Mm. You're your biggest enemy. Yep. Totally. Absolutely. Straight. So uh, was this this the the theater you do here and the, the the shows was that the original concept of the previous? company or did y'all kind of change that whole concept when you created kind of, kind of changed it up in terms of it being not being just one company mm -hmm. uh, being inclusive there right. at the, especially at the time this was 10 years ago so at the time also just looking around town and seeing that there were a lot of companies in town a lot of theater companies that didn't have spaces mm -hmm. a lot of good companies or artists trying to make work mm -hmm. um, so so being able to because the space is amazing right. Absolutely. so give people access mm -hmm. and also and Jason in particular wanted to make sure that we had good equipment so that like designers would have something to play with because mm -hmm. um, it's a great space for design as right. well um, so yeah so I mean that was uh, that was a big difference and then also we started you know kind of um, trying to think we did I did some cabaret style stuff we did stuff we did performances both in the front bar space mm -hmm. and in the back we did some plays in the front mm -hmm. um, there was there was a couple of times where we had plays running in both spaces, never at the same time because the wall isn't quite soundproof, mm -hmm. but like one after the other. Mm -hmm. That was exciting. Um, and then I want to say three years in, we got the, we got a beer and wine license to like year two. Mm -hmm. Did all the leg, Alicia, Alicia did all the legwork, man. She was amazing. Cal if you don't totally. know, California is the worst for getting an alcohol <laughs> beverage license. It is, <laughs> a, you, it's literally a luck of the draw. Yeah. To get out of yeah, well, the beer and wine license is a little easier. Oh, so liquor but, license. But, but no, a liquor license, but we, we, yeah. have, we have now since, since come, God, come to that. Um, yeah, totally, but that took time. Um, but the bar, so the beer and wine license to year two, and I think in year three, we started working with a music promoter. And that's when everything, like in terms of the profile, 
um, or yeah, I mean, being known in town. Um, and uh, so we had a music scene that then just kind of burgeoned. Right. But also at the same, well, and had to figure out how to share space mm-hmm. with that. And so theater, uh, the nonprofit now has a, a, basically the nonprofit runs all the theater and dance stuff. Mm-hmm. And the for-profit, the, or the, the venue is a for-profit right. um, that runs music. And you run the nonprofit. I run the right? nonprofit, correct. Okay. And we all kind of work to make, you know, it's a, it's a collective to work to make the space great. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, because there's a, a the, for-profit has an in-kind donation of space right. deal with the with the nonprofit, and so we all want the for-profit to uh, succeed. Well, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you had the concept. You kind of decided you wanted this. You wanted to be very inclusive, mm-hmm. bring a lot of different theater in. Oh, and new of... work. Sorry, that's, oh, the other, that's the other part of like the original, like really, really, and and Evidence Room definitely did a lot of new work as well. Mm-hmm. But um, being able to support uh, new work of all sorts mm-hmm. uh, and, and ideally local. Okay. Yeah, totally. And people based here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you, you have all that. Now you, you decided where did the bootleg come from? Um, it's something that Alicia came up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It was one of those things she was like, well, what about this? And it was really early on. Mm-hmm. And it seemed kind of cool in terms of, you know, and this is before, like, before the music part of it ever came into it, which is right. funny. Um, but that idea of, we also, because the, the original, um, art, there was some original artwork and it was a, 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 a what do you call that? A bootlegger's car, like oh. going through the moon, like, like in the shadow of a moon. Oh, gotcha. You know, like yeah. they were riding, you know, got, you got the moonshine in the back <laughs> and you're driving, totally, totally driving across the border from Canada. Yeah, something like that. Um, but that was kind of the idea, like more of that kind of bootlegger. Mm-hmm. And then it works with the music as well as a bootleg, you know. Right, absolutely. But yeah, so it just kind of, and it had a little, like an, a little bit of an, like an underground kind of mm-hmm. idea to it. Um, yeah, it just kind of fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did, when you, when you came up with the name, got the concept, now we got to get people to know about us. Yeah. What, what were what, what were y'all y'all's main ideas for that? Like, what did y'all execute to do that? Well, the first thing it was funny. Uh, the first thing we let's see. First thing we did. So it was June. We became bootleg, and by July we were doing a city company workshop. They mm-hmm. came out and did a Suzuki oh. viewpoints uh, workshop mm-hmm. and uh, composition workshop. So that was very first. Then we had a wedding in the fall, and we were still building stuff. You mm-hmm. know, still still the wall like the wall between the two spaces mm-hmm. was was finished but mm-hmm. not finished mm-hmm. you know um, but then there was a finish there was, on there it. was a wall but it was, <laughs> then, now it has carpeting and it's mm-hmm. very lovely. It's um, totally it's lovely. Um, but so that was and then oh and then basically what it was was um, we got to do a 99 cent only show because the space they had been doing we had done four of them I think or three of them before that before it became bootleg mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that the space was known for, then having, you know, in its holiday show, it was a holiday time show. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, we got it. Yeah, this is the best way to let people know that there's still stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Ken, uh, you know, we put, we produced a, a show called Pageant of the Four Seasons. And it was just like, it was literally like dancing, dancing text for f- four seasons and gorgeous costumes again mm-hmm. by Ann Claus Farley. Um, and yeah, and that was, it was like, get the word out. That was the first thing. And then what do we do? We did a three, we were part of 365 days, 365 plays, the big Susan Laurie Parks project Mm -hmm. that happened in 2007. And so we did one of those as well. Uh, we had a week, you you get, it's a, it's a, it was an awesome, Mm -hmm. awesome nationwide, uh, piece, I guess you'd call it. Artistic expression. Artistic expression. (laughs) We just got, got so many companies involved in Mm -hmm. all the different cities. It was great. Um, so we did that, and then, oh, and there was a show called Ladybird that was done up front by a new company that was made up of 
uh, Steppenwolf Westgrads. Oh, wow. Um, Jeff Perry was in for, a, he, he would do the, the what was it called? Lady Bird. That's right, it was called Lady Bird. But the opening was just a monologue by one man. And Jeff Perry came and he did that. It was great. Um, yeah, and then, and then Roger Genver-Smith. Uh, he came by and he said he wanted to, he had a new show. And so we, I forgot to produce, my first time producing one of his shows, uh, Who Killed Bob Marley? Okay. was the name of the show, and uh, that was in the spring of 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So, like, it, and again, it was, you know, an artist coming by and saying, huh, are you guys, oh, oh, you're still doing theater here. I'm interested in this. So it's kind of know? a homegrown growth. Almost. Yeah, like, very homegrown kind of very growth. very step-by-step. Yeah. Just every now and then. Not overnight, obviously. Nope. 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 Yeah, and and, he, and then also doing, uh, we had, a, like, co-productions with a bunch of companies, um, there were a couple of like uh, Evil Knievel the Rock Opera that I think was our yeah that was our, our first, uh, first let's, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait 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 Evil what? Knievel the Rock Opera the Rock by opera. Jeff Beck yeah totally but 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 who Jeff Beck okay from, different Beck oh different, different Beck. Jeff okay. Beck okay <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard that right see I'm already yeah. in my head thinking of what songs would be in there <laughs> and it's probably terrible yeah. and it was no it was great fun it was really devil. good <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not good it's not good. <laughs> um, so you got bands in the door, you got artists in the door. Yeah. When did you feel like, like right now you're sitting back in the chair. Right. When were you able to go, we're doing this? Just now. <laughs> <laughs> Being on my podcast. <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> um, uh, I, I mean, I have moments all the time of like, we're doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been, there's, I mean, uh, that's not true. There's, there's been some stuff over the years. There's been certain... You know, there's, you have certain, I love all my babies, mm-hmm. but there are certain shows that you're just like, ah, this is, this is killing it right now. And it's, it's not just, oh, the show is so good, but it's like, these people came from here and this, and, and we actually executed something that we've been talking about for how many years, you know, we did a production, uh, a play called Nine Circles, um, that, uh, uh, Patrick Adams brought to us. He had, he had done a reading of it at Ojai mm-hmm. and he brought it down he wanted to, he wanted to get it up and I think it took us two years from when he had first come in um, and the production oh, it, was, it was I mean it was just gorgeous and it was a gorgeous production and people were moved and it was a really interesting new play um, and we used the space in a really interesting way I don't know it's one of that's one of those um, something earlier than that there was a play we did called uh, Stranger mm-hmm. written by Eva Anderson and Keith Farley and it was a, a, a spaghetti western with music so good, you know. I mean, in those moments, also when the when the the design is like everything's kicking, mm-hmm. you know, the design is kicking and the piece is kicking and it's new mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, this is exciting, mm-hmm. you know. And the groups of people, I mean, then all the you know, nine nights and only shows we did. Um, there's been a you know, there's been a number of them over the years that I mean, all of them I have yeah. you know some kind of affection for. What's been the craziest request from an artist like? I need six 65-inch TVs <laughs> to all show a robot dancing. Oh, I might have to think about that for a while. <laughs> trying to think, but, you know, what if I, is there, what if I said no? I, yeah, I say no, no I know, right, what do I say no to? Well, now I say no to, there's no glitter, no confetti. Oh, it's no, the worst. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, oh, and most, most, most of all, no silly string. None. Is that a, a requested a lot? It, uh, no, it's it's one of those things where it's like I start like because because it'll happen at like we do something called ladies arm wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, LA Law. It's great, mm-hmm. um, awesome, 
we raise money for a, a female empowering charity. Oh, fantastic! And the, yeah, it's part. Of, we're part of a, a nationwide uh, claw collective. Collect uh, the collective of, 80, of lady arm wrestlers. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Totally. It's great. Um, I'm going to need you on another time <laughs> just to talk about that. Oh, yeah. No, you got to come. Uh, the 18th this month is our next one. <laughs> it's I will great. put that on my calendar. But this is, I'm thinking of this because this is the last time this happened mm -hmm. where, like, it's something like nobody asks about silly string. It's like, oh, I brought some silly string. <laughs> you know, and it's before it's happened. It's like, no, no, no. And is that written in the script? I brought some silly string. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Uh, but, but, it, but silly string, like confetti, like and stuff out of pinatas mm -hmm. and things like that. It, if they're if it gets stepped on, it gets mashed in. Mm -hmm. Not right. only it gets mashed into the ground, but also silly string will leave its dye behind. Yeah, because it foams out, right? Totally. Then yeah, and then whatever out. you can you can scrape if you can scrape it off, you can get it off. But then there's also the color that it leaves it's, behind. It's, it's, I've had to repaint stages uh, because of that crap. I like that. No glitter, no confetti, no silly no string. string. I feel like that should be yeah. like some motto. <laughs> No, no glitter, no confetti, <laughs> totally. no solution. Just play. Like, like, well, wait, it, wait, that took know, a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, you know, find another way to be sparkly, right? right? Personality. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you can't do it with your personality, yeah. we don't want you. Here. <laughs> um, okay, so let's. Uh, we're kind of running short on time. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, what are uh, What are some tips for people out there that may be listening in, you know, Ohio or Idaho or Texas or? Uh, uh, Doheny yeah. that are just like you know what I think I want to run a theater yeah like what are your what are what are what are Jess, Jess's tips <laughs> Jess's tips to welcome to, to doing, Jess's tips to doing that like what what tips would you give them if that, they ever got that opportunity what, um, would, you, what would you tell them let's see uh, if they get the opportunity take it here's a key totally it's <laughs> it's an amazing I mean it, honestly if it's even if you even have an inkling that you uh, you love theater and you want to support people. I mean, that's the other thing is running a theater, know that you're going to have to support people. If you're coming in and you're like, I'm going to be the star, probably don't want to run the theater. That's not your job. Um, but if you really are interested in making a space for people to make stuff or you want it, like, I love to, I love to see this kind of work. I want to make, you know, I want to make it a space where that kind of work can happen. Mm -hmm. Then yes, um, I say tell you on the, tell your friends and family you love them. Mm -hmm. And that you will see them maybe on Saturday mornings for a couple of hours. <laughs> While you're downing some quick breakfast. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, you have to be also ready to spend long hours. Yeah. You know, really long hours. And especially, I mean, if you can, if you have the money to get a staff, great. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you have to be prepared to also like. Also great. Yeah, great. But, but, you know, know that like, don't get mad or get upset when people are like, I need, can you open the, I have to get the, I forgot the, you know, it's mm -hmm. like. You just have to be like, okay, that not only is it my job, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to be making a space. Right. Figure out. My whole thing is also if I say yes to something, mm -hmm. don't make people feel bad about it. It's <laughs> I said yes. Right. Do you know what I mean? So like, figure out how to have a smile on your face and not like exude like, Ugh! you know. Would you would you say being saying yes is a big thing? Like always be cautious, but be willing to say yes. Yes. To things. I mean, I, I I've gotten better at seeing what the landscape is before I say yes. Mm -hmm. Like, don't, like, maybe, maybe I would suggest reading, always read the script first. <laughs> That's, I mean, I'm totally not kidding. No, like, I, so I, many I, times, I, like, you're I like, oh, totally I love understand. these people, and they said the part is really great. <laughs> yes. Read the script first. Find out, find out as much as you can. What you are know? they going to need? Totally. What's, what's, yeah. what? 
I need to be in Los Angeles and New York at the same time on stage, but I need the whole stage to be one city. <laughs> totally. Well, I also think that people get worried that if they're not enthusiastic, mm -hmm. they won't be asked, like, or if they don't say yes immediately, they'll find somebody else. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. I understand that feeling. But, what, like, say yes and. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. mm -hmm. In terms of, I would love to. Can I read that script? Right. What's the thing? Like, find out the details and take that energy that's like, <gasps> yes. And like, kind of just like put it, like put it. Uh, there's a thing about gas brake, you know, mm -hmm. uh, um, in in acting, mm -hmm. where it's like you got your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. Right. Be in that place of ready, that sots place, mm -hmm. you know. And and but be there for. You know, don't don't jump in. Uh, it's hard because I want, I do want people to jump in, right. but at the same time, it's a know, know what you're jumping into. Yeah. Get the landscape. Right. Yeah. You want you want to tell people. I mean. There's a, there's, it's cautious positivity. Yes, I want you to do this. <laughs> like, anybody that comes to me and says, I want to be a writer. And you're like, okay, that's great. I, I want you to do that. I want you to pursue that. But you got to understand, you can't just get, you're, the first thing you write is going to be terrible. Right. I, the first thing I ever wrote, terrible. Right. First thing my producer Michael ever wrote, terrible. <laughs> I, I read it. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know you were still here. <laughs> I'm over here. You don't listen crying. to the show, right? <laughs> I'm crying in my corner. Um, but no, he, you know, and, and so I, I think it's okay to tell you because you, it's that line of you want them to dream, mm -hmm. but there's a reality to it. And, and that's the whole yeah. point of this podcast is that I want people to dream. I want people to come out to LA and pursue the thing they want most, but be realistic yeah. about it. I will say this to actors, especially anywhere you are, practice. Find ways to do plays, find mm -hmm. ways to take classes, mm -hmm. and find ways, like, practice. It's so, I mean, there's so many, it's hard out here in terms of the time that you get, like, if, even on, on stage, in front of a camera, mm -hmm. is very minimal. So finding ways that you can you can do those things either with a group of people or, you know, I don't know how, you know, there's ways to do it by yourself as well, but also, like, and being, being so f always practicing and being physically ready. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are huge things right. that people don't do enough of because it's like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm going to go out and I, I got my sides and I'm just going to, I'm going to learn it tonight and I'm going to go tomorrow, and, right? Totally. <laughs> I got this, I got this. And it's like, no, take the time, you know, and give yourself the space or, or, or prepare yourself so right. that you can do something overnight, right. but you but it's not because you're hustling, you know, it's like, ah, you don't want to be, you know, you can smell desperation on right. people. Absolutely. You know, that's, and that's the, that's the truth. Well, do you have some time to hang out for a little bit longer? We'll yes. talk some more. All right, so we'll come back next time with a few more questions with Jessica Hanna. Back to you, Mike and Daniel in the studio. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. That was a pretty good interview. That was amazing. <laughs> I, I, you know, she was so excited to talk about theater. Mm -hmm. And that was almost infectious like it made me miss doing theater oh she she just makes you feel excited about just about the arts because what i love about her is not only does she do um theater not only she does she direct but she also does movement she does dance and it's you know and at one of the things that she's brought to bootleg theater is also their music scene yeah, absolutely as well and so she is just um if there is someone who you could say is just um, an encourager of the arts, that would be Jessica Hanna. Oh, absolutely. I, could, I got that. This was, you know, meeting her for the interview was the first time I met her, and I'm instantly it was just embraced. And it was just, she was so great to talk to. And one of the things that I really loved was talking about, like, how theater affects you. 
Yeah. And the idea of how, like, where she was talking about the show where, like, it was almost like her brain exploded. Exploding on yeah. the back of the wall. Uh, back of the wall. And I, was, I think we were all having that moment yeah. with her when, when she was saying it. No, absolutely. And it was like, it makes you think, like, what show? And I, I talked about it, you know, in the interview about Cabaret. But, you know, for you guys listening, like, what show has done that for you? And maybe it's not a play. Like, maybe it's a, a song or a film or some sort of TV show. Like what, or or a dance performance, yeah. or what was that? Or a, a painting, like yeah. what you know. We'd love to hear from you guys. Like what's hap- What's something that's affected you to that kind of idea of like your brain just exploding and just like, oh my gosh, this is what this is, and it's amazing, and 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 and, and, and it, not only the thing that like, oh, that made me laugh, so I want to do that, but the thing that what I loved about what Jessica was saying was that. And what you were saying uh, with Cabaret was the show that truly shocked you with the the power of storytelling. Yeah, it, it made you, re- it, you know, that thing that makes you realize, like, this is what art can be. And this is how it can affect somebody. And that, that desire, like, I want to affect someone just like that. I want something to see something I wrote. Or if I am acting in something again for some reason, like, I want someone to be affected that way. It may not be awe-inspiring, but I want them to leave with an emotion and a feeling that they got from my character or they got from a character I wrote, you know? Exactly. And for me, one of the biggest takeaways I had was um, she talks about being present in the struggle, that we go to theater to see crisis. And for me, that was just a mind-blowing moment for me in that it's true, just what you said the reason why people love stories so much, whether they're on the stage, on the screen, on TV, through dance, through a song, it's we're trying to relate and we're trying to learn something. And so by seeing other people in crisis through some type of story medium, we learn a lot about ourselves, the good and the bad. No, absolutely. And, and, and not letting yourself get distracted by the world. Like, let yourself enjoy a night of theater. Let yourself enjoy a movie. Let yourself enjoy something for a moment and take it in. And, and let it challenge you. Because it should be challenging. It should, whether it's testing certain uh, rules that you believe in or, you know, it might affirm them. It might make you think about it mm-hmm. some more. And it also, also the idea of being present in the struggle Um, I want to talk about that in two ways. So there's the idea of, as an actor, you spend all this time prepping your lines, knowing the blocking, and having worked on it, you know, if it's theater for weeks and weeks and weeks until it's opening night, or you're on set and you've maybe had no rehearsal. So you have your lines, but you have all your emotional preparation. But the idea of just being present... throwing away all of that preconceived planning that you did and just allowing yourself to be emotionally present and not planned out. Well, I think also it's about taking it in. Like don't miss your chance to realize what you're doing and that you get this chance to be on set and you get this chance to be on stage and don't miss that because you're worried about something that's happening in the next moment. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you're on set and you're surrounded by a, a huge crew and everything. It's so easy as an actor to, to get distracted. And, you know, what I've been learning in my acting class and what Jess said in this act one resonated with me in that you just have to listen, take it in mm. and respond. Mm. 
I mean, don't wait 20 minutes. Don't wait 20 minutes. <laughs> but it's just you put your sole focus yeah. on the character and on the story and on the person beside you. And the scene might be this frenetic thing and you just have to go and just be present, not forcing something to happen, but let it happen to you and react. Well, I think, I think that forcing also goes in like don't think about getting to the next part. Live in where you are now. Yeah, so much of the actor's curse is, you know, you stress so much about when the next gig is going to come, and then you get the gig, but then you start worrying about when that gig is going to end, and then when the next gig will come up. So it's just being present. And so then that's the next thing of being present in the struggle as a person in Los Angeles. It's so easy to let the struggle overwhelm what you're doing so much of the time, so much to allow it to uh, paint this... Sometimes, you know, if you're not doing a lot at a specific time, let it overwhelm you, make you think that, oh, if this one small aspect of my life is not going well, then the rest of it is all not. And it's so easy to think that way. But to just realize, hey, that's just one part, but take the rest in as well. Take in the good sometimes with the not so good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's about, you know, don't let, a, a, we've talked about before, like a bad audition ruin your day like take it in learn from it but be present in the next moment of your life don't if you're going to work with a scene partner after that don't let that bad audition infiltrate what you could do with your scene partner you know let your as a person like to me it's because you can take the bad vibes that you take from that bad audition and you take it into this meeting with someone else and you don't know how that's going to affect them and the rest of their day. Sure. So I'm, you know, I'm not saying in the sense of how your work's going to go, but how you're going to affect someone personally because you're in a bad mood and you feel like you did the worst audition ever, and you're just going to bring this negativity. Well, you know? and then there's also sometimes I feel like we choose our own struggles. We choose to feel the weight of everything, whereas if you approach it from this is all part of a journey, and that. So often in this life, we don't get to choose what certain opportunities will come our way. You know, we go up and we show up and we do our very best and then just go on. And sometimes you'll have a bad performance one night. Sometimes it felt like, oh, it wasn't connecting with me. And then, and you can get so caught up in like, oh, why didn't, why didn't it feel the same way? As opposed to take it in, note it, and see how it, the next night will go. Don't overthink. Don't overthink. Um, exactly. So, uh, now Jess obviously is the, uh, co-owner and managing producing director of the bootleg theater. So I want to, sh- we want to share with you real quick, some LA theater that is happening now. Um, first here at the bootleg theater, I carry your heart by Georgette Kelly is being directed by Jessica Hanna. Uh, and here is a quick summary of the story. Phoebe is a young poet forever living in the shadow of her estranged mother's literary acclaim. When her mother unexpectedly dies, Phoebe is left with two complicated legacies, donating her mother's organs and reading her mother's unpublished confessional journal. Meanwhile, Tess and her partner Lydia receive an early morning phone call informing them that a donor heart is available for Tess. As these two families form an unlikely connection, they struggle to understand the politics and poetics of an organ donation and they dare to hope that pieces of us can live on after great tragedy. Sounds like a great comedy. 
<laughs> that sounds amazing. It sounds and, really good. And, uh, you know, as of this week, uh, you have a chance to actually see their closing performances. It's uh, performing now through June 10th at the Bootleg Theater. Their website is Bootleg Theater, and that's with an R-E, bootlegtheater.org, and that is I Carry Your Heart by Georgette Kelly. Also coming up, uh, we... in. It is the month of June, and that means that the Hollywood Fringe Festival has arrived. It's an annual open access and community-driven celebration of expression and collaboration in the L.A. theater community. Uh, So you should go out and see amazing theater and artists doing brand new work. Hundreds of shows are being performed every night all along uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, For more information and to see what shows are going on and check it out and buy your uh, Fringe Pass, go to hollywoodfringe.com. Org. Man, there's a lot of good stuff coming. Yeah. That sounds there, great. There's, there's, no one ever thinks of Los Angeles as a theater town. Right. It's always the film and television industry. No, there's a lot of theater. There's a in lot this of town. theater. It's there. You just got to find it. Um, also, just remember, time is running out for our leave a review contest for our iTunes. Uh, make sure you leave a review by June 13th. Mm-hmm. June 13th is the cutoff day. After that, we will draw. We will announce the winners on another on an episode, and then that person will get a twenty-five dollar gift card, a signed eight by ten photo of from a marketing shoot that Michael and I did with Eric Carroll Photography, and the opportunity to have whatever their hustle is, whether it be a career, uh, a job, a business, or an acting career, or a writing career, or whatever it is. You can post that on our website for a month to get your name out there, and we will assist in that as. Well, also, make sure you subscribe to our iTunes. Very important. Add us to your favorites on SoundCloud and Stitcher, uh, wherever you're listening from. Also, remember to follow us on our social media. We do have a Facebook, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. We have an Instagram, at Hollywood Hustle Podcast, and Twitter, at LA Hustlecast. Uh, So please, also let us know if you have any questions or thoughts on what you heard in the podcast today or previously at Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com and feel free to tweet us feel free to instagram us we we love all forms of communication yes definitely let us know what your aha uh, brain splattered on the back of the wall moment was yes um you know what that experience was for you and art and the power of whether it be theater film anything like that we want to hear about it um now we also want to take a moment to thank the amazing people that were able to help kickstart this podcast into reality now uh, we have a special group of people that we just want to thank again uh for their very generous donations that they were able to give to the podcast douglas steinberg deanne Colley. Taryn and Zach Carter, and J.D. Dashty of 2 Dashty Properties in Dallas, Texas, Linda and Walter Easton, Babs and Philip Benj, and Billy Matthews. Absolutely, and we have one more episode this week. One more episode. If one wasn't enough, hit the next button because it's Act 2 for it's Jessica Hanna is available. And, you know, in this one, it's again, it's a roundtable discussion. Now, just a heads up, this is a little, again, this was our first interview that we recorded. Um, it, this podcast has changed uh, since we started interviewing people. One of those changes was Michael coming on in the second part. So unfortunately, on this one, Michael is not in the second roundtable section. Oh, geez. So it really is, again, more of a discussion between myself, Daniel, and Jessica. It's still great. It's but really, still though, fun. Je- Jess could just lead that conversation. She could just talk, and that would be 
And she did, and I just listened. Uh, We talk about things we discovered in L.A. when we moved here. Uh, We talk about how we stayed sane in L.A. because you can lose your mind here. (laughs) And we talk about the theater scene. We talk about New York theater versus L.A. theater. We talk about up-and-coming artists. We talk about uh, things going on with equity and equity rules. We talk about a lot of things that I think you're going to be interested in hearing. So please, after this is over, after we sign off, just click to that next uh, episode, and you'll be set to go. And in the meantime, keep always up. remember. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> see, we're playing these. I promise. Uh, yep. No. Always remember, keep, keep up, up the, the hustle. hustle. This episode of the Hollywood Hustle podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.